cliffcentral.com. Welcome to the Futurology Show. Um, this is going to be an interesting uh, show because I had Brett to tell me that he's not coming in today because he's covering AfricaCom for us. And uh, I then organized a guest host, and I actually thought I'd be nice and get uh, someone from the fair agenda. Even though we're on radio, no one can really see. I thought it would be a refreshing change to have a female voice. Um, and she woke up without a voice. So her husband's a lucky guy today because, um, yeah, she obviously can't give him too much shit today, seeing she can't speak. So I'm kind of solo, um, but I do have guests, uh, and I will turn their mics on just now. But um, it's not really that often that I get to really hear the sound of my own voice and enjoy it. So I'm going to actually indulge myself for a bit and all you guys are listening out there. But um, always I start with the app of the week. And today's app has a bit of relevance because the guys that we'll be speaking to are involved uh, indirect in the transport industry. Um, but the app that I found is called Phil App. And basically, as its name, it uh, has to do with filling up your car with petrol. So what it does is it was developed locally, so it's always nice to try and uh, give the guys a bit of a local punt. But it helps you decide the best time to fill up your tank. Now, I don't mean that by time of the day because there's quite a few theories on that. Um, it's more about with regards to when the price is going to go up. So if we're expecting a petrol price uh, increase or decrease, um, this app will tell you and what you do is you set it up and you tell it what kind of car you have, what um, grade of fuel that you use and that's pretty much it. Allow the notifications to, to come on um, and it will then read or listen, inverted commas, to the government site. So it follows the petroleum agency sites and when they announce uh, a petrol increase then it will advise you that it's coming or, or decreasing. So Full app, as I said, locally supported, Android and Apple. Um, I've put it on, nice clean user interface, and uh, I'm expecting to be able to get a notification in the next few days because normally it's each month we'll get a change. Um, I actually wanted to speak about AR and VR a bit more because, as I mentioned, I was going to have a guest join me today, and her specialities, we actually started an augmented reality together. But one of the other things is, before I get into that, is social. And um, we're getting to the silly season now. You know, we've got, uh, what's it, 50 days to Christmas or something like that. I don't think it's much longer to go. And people are going to start planning their holidays. They're going to start uh, telling people what they're doing, start rubbing in the fact that they're going overseas, so on and so forth. Guys, if you listened to the show last week, we had uh, Dr. Doom, dum dum dum, here talking about all the nasties and evils online. And the bottom line is, if you start sharing stuff online, you're telling people what you're doing. So please don't go and start telling people that you will be away from, <clears throat> excuse me, from uh, X date to Y date. Don't tell them where you're going. Um, don't share any of that stuff. Maybe come back and share the awesome pictures and and brag and all those good things but effectively if you're putting it out on social what you're doing you're also telling people that you don't really want them to know what you're doing and the reason i led into that was because it's also the time now where we're going to start seeing those stupid apps elf yourself tell santa what you want for christmas uh my pet dog is a cat but what would you name it your favorite porn star name so on and so on you know where i'm going with this so bottom line is 
people ask you, or people, evil people ask you these questions so that they can get your password recovery numbers. So, like, for example, what town were you born in? If you've signed up for any app or any service that asks you for security questions, that is one of the questions. What was your first nursery school teacher's name? So rather just send me the PIN code and a copy of your credit card um, to my email address. I'm more than happy to steal your money for you um, than have it the hard way through Facebook or any other social network for that matter. So it's, yeah, guys, just uh, practice some safe social. Um, staying with social for a little bit longer the other thing that people tend to do now, we're all tired. I mean, I just mentioned it before I walked in that, oh, I feel like I need a holiday. And that's kind of what stemmed this last discussion. Um, just just keep your fuses. You know, keep keep your tempers intact. Don't jump on social and say, you know, your client's the biggest dirt on the planet. Um, because there's a chance your client probably is a friend of yours on Facebook that you forgot that you added a few months ago. So, you know. Just hold it together a little bit longer. Wait till you're offline before you start slagging people and brands, he says, infamous for doing it himself. Um, but yeah, just just play nicely, I think, is what I'm trying to get to. So I mentioned that uh, I wanted to chat a little bit about augmented reality. Um, and the reason I actually found this one little piece was it's something that I was actually involved in a few years ago at the at the early stages um, for the local um, General Electric office, they put out a call to action for their innovation center. And I see that GE has now announced that from January next year, they're going to be using augmented reality in their factory floors. So when the guys start building their turbines and um, start putting their, their, their more intricate uh, airplane engines, for those of you that didn't know, they actually build airplane engines as well, they'll be able to overlay augmented reality to show the guys that are putting it together where it actually should be and what wires are plugged in where. So it's it's quite exciting to see non-marketing uses for augmented reality as opposed to Pokemon Go. Brett, you're not here, so I can say Pokemon Go as many times as I want. And I note the guys at your office have a little poll that every time I say Pokemon Go, they make a mark. So Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go. And you're not here to stop me, um, and you can't turn my mic off. So I hope Cape Town's going well for you, but I just had to get that in there. Did you find any Pokemon Go in Cape Town, Brett? Anyway, so um, staying with my whole scam um, thing on Facebook, well, back to my scamming thing. I actually got a phone call from a plus 629 number the other day. That's all that came through on my screen. Guys, you need to be very careful about answering phone calls. So Brett and I were actually talking about this off air. So even when he's not here, we still prep for our shows together. So kudos. Thanks, buddy. There was a whole list of numbers that were circulated. And I replied to him saying, no, I think it's scam. Uh, But because of the reference of the message. However, I actually did get one of those numbers the other day. It wasn't one on the list that he sent me. I didn't answer it. And there's a reason I didn't answer it. One, I didn't know who it was. Um, normally, I get these numbers from these funny overseas numbers. It's someone trying to sell me something. I had a guy phone me the other day from Hong Kong, um, clearly from Bangladesh, but from Hong Kong, that he's sitting plugged into the, the stock exchange. And, you know, the sun rises there first. It's the first market. And he can give me the... Sorry, Tokyo, Tokyo, not Hong Kong. And he can make sure I get the best options. And for an entry level of only $10,000, click, the phone went down. I'm not going to give anyone $10,000 at somewhere, somewhere in the world. I don't have $10,000 to give them anyway. But the point is we're at that time of the year. Guys are coming into money for their bonuses. <laughs> See how funny that was, bonuses. Um, but the scammers are going to be in full tilt. They're going to be trying to take advantage. So... 
one of the things that was actually in this message that Brett, Brett shared with me was um, if you connect to these calls, apparently you pay premium rates. They can make you bill. And I've, I've got uh, one of my guests nodding his head here. So I'm actually going to turn on the mics now and, and we'll do the little intro and we'll carry on. But he might be able to share some info on that. But the bottom line is is be safe, be clever. Um, I just mentioned I'm going to turn on the mic. So Kubis and Mike from Snapcart or We Quote. You guys, your mics are on. How's it going, guys? All right, then you. Yeah, Thanks yeah, for good, the opportunity. Good. So you know, you know my show. You know that I kind of bring guests on at the end. But I'm sitting up here solo. I'm watching you nod your head. Yeah. Um, you've obviously got some input to add to it. So uh, have you received one of these phone calls? Yeah, no, I mean it's uh, something that goes around uh, from time to time. And uh, one needs to be very careful. Okay, so there we are. You didn't hear it just from me. You've got sanctioning from my guests as well. And if they're on my show, they obviously know what they're talking about. So, guys, just if it seems too good to be true, it really is at this time of the year. Um, I really wish Brett was here because I'm about to say Blackberry and then watch his eyes roll. Um, if you guys don't know, I'm probably the last of the Blackberry fans that's actually still around. I love my Blackberry. And I'm very, very happy to announce that Blackberry has actually signed a deal with Ford. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that BlackBerry wasn't just a handset manufacturer. And I say was because they're not making them anymore. Uh, apparently, they will do some license deals. But their, their backend and their software is foundational to a lot of other players. In fact, Samsung's Fort Knox, not Fort Knox, listen to me, Knox, which is their security um, uh, app, is actually built by BlackBerry or licensed by BlackBerry. But they make a thing called QNX, and that sits behind a lot of the infotainment systems that are already onboard cars. So before the connected car, um, QNX drove the informatics behind a lot of these cars. Now, what was interesting that Ford has partnered with them is um, originally – so Ford has a has a infotainment system or onboard ta- called Sync, S-Y-N-C. And I saw it quite a few years ago. I watched a live demo, but it was powered by Microsoft. Now – now Ford, uh, not Ford, sorry, Sync 3 has just been launched and it's actually the BlackBerry version. So they've obviously parted ways with Microsoft and, um, they've gone with BlackBerry. Now to get Ford, that's a big coup de grace in my opinion. So I don't think BlackBerry are disappearing anytime soon, which is great news. And hopefully they do do some licensing deals with their Android devices because I quite enjoyed those. Um, guys, do you drink whiskey? Uh, yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Mike's saying no. no. So Mike's joined us as well. He's the developer guy, so he should be quite comfortable with it with a headset on his on his head. Because I, I assume you're one of those two screens, click, doof, 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 working in the dark. Typical, stereotypical. No. Yeah, yeah, comfortable with the headset. I'm oh. not not entirely sure what you mean by that, but ah, <laughs> uh, you see, defending the defending <laughs> is, the code. So is I always there refer a hidden meaning. Yeah, there? no, you see, I always refer to the the, the techie guys. So they sit behind two or three screens. They got their headsets on. They're locked out of the rest of the world, and they're coding. That's what they do. And you know, the headset's kind of the first piece of of apparatus that comes and goes when they go. No, I do um, have a headset. Joe. <laughs> there we go. So I mentioned Whiskey Live, and you've just said, oh, hell yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, the guys actually invited us, Brett and I, last week. We went to Whiskey Live, and um, so thanks again for it. But I must say that what was quite amazing and what was actually confirmed for me, I was reading an article um, on their newsletter, is that whiskey is an investment. Now, I know every single wife out there is going, you're right, tell us another one. But I have facts, okay? I don't just sit here and talk. I actually have facts. 
So the, did you go to Whiskey Life? No. No. no unfortunately not. Have you ever been to Whiskey Life? No. Okay. Do yourself a favor. Mm. Put it on your on your to-do list for next year. Um, I, I think there's still one more in Cape Town this year, but it really is an amazing experience. Cool. It's not an excuse to go and get drunk. That's not what Whiskey Live is about. Do you leave drunk? I'm just going to keep quiet at that stage. But the whole thing behind Whiskey Live is that the um, the distillers – they talk you through the whiskey. So it's a oh, learning exercise. Awesome. They take you through the notes. They take you through the tastings. But the really cool thing is they bring stuff that you can't get. So you get to try. So I got to meet the current distiller of Jamison's. Um, and he brought what they call the distiller's marks, his own bottles that he, he personally signs off on. So I got to taste those. They're not available in the shops. Yeah. So it's that kind of experience. Um, and on that note, there – the rare whiskey trading industry. So rare whiskey means it's not a bottle of Jamison's. Don't go and buy a bottle of Jamison's and keep it. Um, it's not ever going to be worth anything unless it is a 25-year-old. or you know. So what they refer to rare is probably even more so than a 25. But apparently in the open market, so this is not through the brokers, this is not through the auctioneers that we don't really get to hear about, just in the open market, trade went up 25% year-on-year growth from last year. And we were talking like 9.8 million pounds worth. That's so huge. That is huge. My problem is if I got a bottle of whiskey that I thought was valuable, I'd drink it. So I don't know. I don't think I could ever invest in whiskey and be able to actually have the restraint of buying it, putting it in a safe somewhere. But the bottom line is, that, I mean, people talk about liquidity. Okay. It really is a liquid investment. I mean, in every sense of the word. Um, unlike wine, you don't have to lie it down or any of those things. This is a futurology show. We talk about all kinds of things in the future. If you get a good deal, and I'm actually going to prove it. There was a, a special dram that I, I really liked. It was only available for a, a certain period of time. I bought a few bottles while it was out, and it was three, 400 rand a bottle. Going back 10 years, I saw a bottle the other day in the bottle store for 3,600 rand. I mean, that's like a 1,000% return on investment in 10 years. Um, but going back to what I said, there's no way in hell I'd be able to actually keep it that long. So I'm never going to be a whiskey investor. Um, <laughs> texting while walking gives you a silly, exaggerated stride. So I don't know where guys get time to come up with some of this stuff. But like I, I, I like to find these things. So basically, if you text while walking on a phone and you start to dial a number, apparently the way we walk changes. We we take different size steps. We actually almost raise our legs, like accentuate the raise more. So if you see people walking like they need to take a dump, uh, they're probably <laughs> texting while they're walking. Um, or they really do need to take a dump, so just maybe back off. Interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a this was a report that came out. And the, no, but the reason why they um, they were studying it is they were worried what's happening to human gait and frame. So if we, you know, like if you sit at your desk and you start to hunch, we're going to develop more osteoporosis. They were worrying. They were wanting to see what's happening because the youth of today walk heads down. I mean, they you you can slap them on the head, and they won't know. So they're busy typing away. So they were actually seeing not the dangers of walking and texting. We already know that, yeah. but uh, how it's actually changing our form. And apparently, we lift our legs more when we text or have to push buttons, um, and we yeah we 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 changing our gait. So. Anyway, um, have you heard of China's Singles Day? 
No. No? No. Okay. No. You've heard of Black Friday, right? Uh, yes. Okay. So for anyone that hasn't heard of either of the two, Black Friday is this whole big sales thing where the internet goes mad with deals. Um, it has started in South Africa. I mean, it's always been around. It's the internet. But the last couple of years, you've actually seen brands starting to, to to talk about Black Friday. I think it's the 24th or the 25th of November. It's somewhere there. Um so basically, for the day, everything goes on at really good deals, right? So China, not wanting to be outdone, um, it started last year. They came up with Singles Day. And literally because a lot of people are single, like, you know, so they're at home alone, um, Singles Day this year was the 11th of 11th. So that's Friday last week, yeah. And um, last year, I obviously don't have this year's figures, okay? But last year... Um, Black Friday did $10 billion in turnover. Last year, Singles Day, which was their, pretty much their first day, did $14 billion. Yes, so just coming out of one area, it just shows the power of China. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, the reason for mentioning it is that that market can't be ignored. And obviously the deals that we're looking for, it's probably better to start looking at that market. The problem that we have to solve, and I mean, you can see I'm building into all these things of what you guys do, is the delivery aspect of it. Uh, I've ordered stuff from China. It's never arrived. Um, I have ordered stuff that does arrive, but the packaging's been open or the stuff's broken. So, you know, once we can start solving this global global delivery conundrum, then we can probably get to that. Um, I'm actually, yeah, next one is VR. Okay, so I... I love VR and I, I love the fact that what it's doing and the spaces that it's playing in. And I found some, uh, some really interesting ones. So we just had Halloween recently. Even that's starting to take off in South Africa, which I thought was quite cool. So in Sweden, um, the, the company put together what they called Halloween Sweden. Um, and what they did is they made a virtual reality reality. Okay. So Mike's giving me this like eyebrow look. Like, did I add, like I'm reading my notes here. Did I have one reality too many? So you go into this experience. They've, they've set up like this. It's not a house. It was more like an office, like a building. And you stand in the room. So you take in the, the view. Okay. So you can see everything before you put your headset on. Um, and you can see like everything's been torn over. And so they, they put you, it's going to be a zombie apocalypse and they set the scene for you. And then you put your headset on. But what, what they do is they actually have real actors and actresses. So you're not actually seeing a VR experience. They've got live cameras that are feeding through to your headset. So when you see the zombie crawling down the passageway, it's actually real. It's a real actor. It's so realistic. Exactly. But then it grabs your freaking ankle. Okay. <laughs> and I just thought this was hilarious. So they were filming like the experiences. But you know, the thing with VR is you get immersed. So you're into the scene, you're buying it, you're hearing the music, you, you know, and then all of a sudden this thing actually grips you. Now you try and move away and it grips you again. Um, some of the actors probably do get punched or hurt in that, you know, until they turn the lights on. Um, I just like the way they were going with it because like that whole Halloween vibe, you know, like everyone's like trying to get freaked out. Then um, since it was Armistice Day last week, I thought this was quite cool. It's, um Apparently it's in Florida, the research. I couldn't find exactly where I was trying to, I was trying to find it, but it, it seems like the points were coming to Florida. So PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, um, you can get that from, from all kinds of different things, but the biggest case studies or treatments for PTSD is guys that have gone to war and they've come back. So they're now using, um, virtual reality to try and help these guys 
through PTSD. And what they do is that they'll they'll speak to you, they'll interview, and then they'll build the environment for you. So let's say you lost a leg in in a landmine. They will put you back into that scenario. So they'll put the footage together. They'll even trigger the landmine. Now, the initial thought when I was reading this article was like, you bossed it. Yeah, you know, like, terrible. I've really been, yeah. But apparently, by helping people relive a, a stressful scenario and stopping it and showing them they actually can survive it and they can walk away from it, they can learn the touch points from it. Yeah. And they can also take those touch points and build up treatments for other people that are going to go through this. So, you probably have to be quite a strong-minded individual to to go through something like this and actually, you know, survive it. Um, but uh, it'll be quite interesting to see how this actually plays out because, uh, my, as I said, my original thought was, shit, I, I've lived through it once. I don't want to live through it again. But the the information that's coming back is it's actually helping these guys. Um, so I just thought, yeah, given the fact that it was Armistice Day – talking about war and all those good things well not good things but all you know we're sitting focused and that story came across and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out vw um they're about to release a car called an id which is their first real electric car and they're using augmented reality for a heads-up display now if you followed heads-up displays or if you don't know what an hud is it projects onto your windscreen so you can see your speed and other bits of information that probably like a rev counter and that, that are that are relevant to you while you're driving. Um, I've seen a few permutations. Tom Tom have made like a GPS with a mirror that will project. Um, I've seen a phone. Yeah, yeah you're not in Kerbis, I, Yeah, I, I think I, I saw a Volvo coming out with uh, where, where it predicts or uh, shows a human uh, uh, pedestrian walking in front of the car. That's quite cool. So yeah. what is that cameras then? So it's yes. obviously picking up cameras and relaying. Yeah. So that's typical of Volvo to look at the safety aspects. Yes. Eh? That's quite cool. Actually, I'm going to look for that. That's quite interesting. So what they've done is they've actually done a pure HUD. So it's built into the car and then your GPS and all that will actually project in your driver's side, so which, which makes sense if you think about it because most people put the GPS on the left or the right. So if you, if you're sitting, you know, behind your steering wheel, you'll put it like close to the window. Um, or you'll put it below your rear view mirror. There's two problems. If you live in South Africa, it's called smash and grab. So you can't put it on that side. Um, And the problem that I have about the other side is you're blocking up so much of your visual, you know, your central visual point. Um, So this puts it straight in front of you. If you put your directions and that into it, you'll see little arrows and that appearing like on your screen. That's awesome. Um, I thought so as well, and I, I still think so. The one thing I'd like to see a real test on is somewhere in Southern Hemisphere like us with our sun. So, you know, VW is German. Their sun is nothing like ours. And this is the problem with a lot of these cars that we have here in South Africa is that or Australia or Brazil, anywhere where it has the the sun and the UV that we have is that our dashboards fade, our paint fades. Um, I don't know if an HUD will work in in our environment. So it's going to be something I'll be watching. But again, it is cool. it's cool that a brand like VW is doing that because their market is not really premium. Mm-hmm. You know, the Golf GTI is premium. But anything below that is it's a the Volkswagen, people's yeah. car. So let's see how that plays out. And then the last thing that I found on VR was um, a company, it's a startup called iMind. And they're now getting brainwaves to control the VR world. 
So the obvious there is for people that are paraplegic, and I always look for stories like that. You'll hear me talking about it all the time. But um, their thinking was that they, they, they're putting a machine learning together that whatever your brain waves do will make it do simple responses. Um, in fact, there's so many abbreviations in our world at the moment, but this one makes sense because EEG it, we know is brain, but it actually stands for electroencephalography. Electroencephalography. Yeah, it is a big word. So at this moment in time, abbreviations rock. EEG. I'll go try that again. Electroencephalography. Yeah. Um, apparently it does very simple things at the moment, like right turn, left turn. Okay. But give it 10 years and this will seem like normal for us. You'll put on a headset and it will just work. You'll think about it. And why I love VR and the real life aspects of VR. And again, going back to people that are paralyzed or are paraplegics, they can't travel. They can't yeah. go and scuba dive. They can't do the things that able-bodied people can. So now not only could they be immersed into the VR experience, but they could actually move within it because it's one thing to put their headset on, but they still can't turn their heads left and right or up and down. Yeah. But their brains work. So That's it's true. quite an expi- Yeah, it's a, it's an exciting tech. Um, definitely one I'm going to watch. So we'll see how that plays. I don't know if, you know, guys, reach out to us if you've uh, got some case studies and things like that. Um, but yeah, is- the the controller aspect of VR is something they haven't worked out yet. I, I agree. Think. There's lots of different attempts, but there's nothing that they've worked out that's that's um, natural almost. Which which VR have you played with, Mike? Which headsets have you? So I actually haven't played with. Uh, I've only really played with the the cardboard. Okay. Um, but the 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 HTC Vive I think is the most natural. Um, with the two controllers that yeah, you yeah. hold, I think that one's. That I one's think the Sony's most gone that route as well on their new PlayStation VR. They've done the two controller thing, or they've or they've kept their controller which interfaces. Yeah, I'm not but sure. You're, yeah, but uh, Google Google addressed it. We did chat about Daydream, which is their foray into VR. So from cardboard to Daydream. Yeah. And it comes with a little controller, and the little controller actually stores quite neatly in that. Um, but you're 100 percent right. If you look at the cardboard and or um, first generation of VR, so when you're not connected to a computer, um, you generally have to put your phone. Into the device, which means you've now lost all forms of control. Yes, if exactly. If the phone yeah. hangs or the end of experience, you, you can't control it. So these guys have come up with like little Bluetooth controllers. Um, but I agree with you 100%. That's kind of been for me a little bit of the deal breakers that I can't control the whole system. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I use a, a Zeiss headset, the Zeiss VR1. Okay. Um, purely because of the lenses. So your eyes don't get lens strain because Zeiss lenses are pretty much best lenses in the world when it comes to lens um but the reason i also use the zeiss is the phone slides in that from the side on a tray you don't have to open and close velcro or anything like that so it's quite easy to just push it out hit the button push it back in again without having to take the whole thing off uh, but i agree with you that you know that that user experience that we we strive for when we build our apps and our websites and that it's still kind of missing. Um, you can take it back further to Oculus. You've got to still be tethered to a computer. Yeah. And not only yeah. a computer, a power computer. You know, they, they've just announced now at Oculus 3, they, they, um, show that they do, that they've now breaking away. Now they've got the tech, thanks to Intel, they're breaking away, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 
a little bit late, guys. You should have broken away a long time ago. In fact, how, here's an idea. Release one. You know, we're still waiting for Oculus to come out. I know they did a deal with Samsung Gear. It says powered by Oculus. It's not Oculus. It's, it's brand. Um, I think the I think the lower cost models are going to be well the lower cost VRs that people can go to a flea market and buy or they can go to a shopping center and buy. I think VR is going to be massive, but I think that the high end Oculus, the Vives, I, I think they're going to be kind of a console-y idea. But I, I think the low end VR web guys can take their phone, they can put it straight in, and they can watch. Are you a gamer? I mean, do you play any of the the, the famous two? Let's leave it that. No, not not really. Um, but I think the console market will will move towards the high end. Yeah. And I think in that case, one of the big players, um, uh, Microsoft or Sony, will actually take over there. Um, but I think VR, I think, is where where you had. You had movies, and movies then went to 3D. I, I think 3D kind of has died out now. But VR, I think you're going to start seeing in the next couple of years, you're going to see a, a VR movie that's going to be released. They're out. Oh, no, they're already out. And this goes to my argument, is that if you've actually tried to engage with content in VR, it actually hurts your eyes. So I agree with you. I think the gaming industry would make sense because you're actually so engrossed in the special first person shooters where you know you're looking around the corner and I could actually see that movement I mean my head's bobbing while I'm talking you know you get to the corner and if you had to actually move your head using like this brainwave um, EEG tech that we're talking about yeah. you could actually peek around a corner so I think that's going to be awesome but the thing that the manufacturers have to get right and as I said Zeiss is, is probably going to lead that battle and will probably license to most of these guys is the lenses have to have to be blue ready to stop the you know, you've got lenses so close to your eyes, um, it does hurt. And in fact, I'd love to actually hear from someone that's flown on Emirates and been given a VR headset because they've done it. They've they've been doing some beta testing. But there's no way in hell I could watch a movie, a, a one-hour 40 movie in VR. It, it's just – it's not going to happen anytime soon um, until they can solve that problem. But gaming, definitely. Movies, there are a couple of short clips out already. Um, I just need to stress at that moment because the guys in the VR forums get quite upset about it. A 360-degree YouTube video is not VR. It's a 360 video clip. That's what it is. You can look around. You can look up and down. It's not VR. But there is some really good VR content out there where you can immerse, where you can go into it, move up and down, left and right. So it's just uh, – I think it's just a case of looking for it. Um so from VR, I have to go to AR, um, artificial intelligence. And uh, <laughs> so this is machine learning. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is, if, did you guys watch Carte Blanche this weekend? Yes. Okay. So straight away on Twitter, the guys were hitting me up, would I do it? So for those people that didn't watch Carte Blanche and for the people listening overseas, which it's a, like a magazine actuality show here in South Africa, um, there were some guys here that were talking about embedding chips into themselves. And they've based it off the pet chip that we would put into our pets. So they've made their own little chips with RFID, um, or sorry, they actually went to NFC, which makes sense. Um, and they embed it in their hands so that they can pay, um, you know, open up doors and they're using NFC. And the one example is someone's overseas somewhere has even convinced an airline to allow him to board using his hand. So he's put a chip into his hand, and he can walk up to the gate, and he can tap the NFC, the same NFC they use for their phones, 
and it brings up his data and they read it. So it's an experiment, but the point is he's doing it. Now, I'm all for it. Okay, I don't know if I went somewhere with a needle like the guys did at Yale, like almost a homemade, uh, you know, just press it and see what happens. But if someone offered me an op- opportunity for a proper surgical installation that's not going to hurt and not going to become bothersome, I probably would sign up for that because I do believe in it. And from there, though, we start moving into the artificial intelligence world where your your body and all devices are starting to talk together. Now, AI, as it stands at the moment, and just pure machine learning environments. Um, the, the, the guy that I follow, Rob May, he writes this, um, this white paper. I get his weekly paper. Um, they predicted the Trump win. They predicted ex- uh, Brexit, both of them categorically. Now, the reason I bring that up is a lot of people can say after the fact, oh, we predicted or we knew it was going to happen. I said it. I, I called Trump and I called Brexit. I can't prove that I did, but I did. Um, why I bring it up, though, and this is quite an interesting conundrum, is what will we do as human beings when we start having this machine learning technology at our disposal? We punch stuff in for algorithms and it spits stuff out. Will we actually listen? This is the question that I'm posing. So um, Trump predicts, uh, AI predicts that Trump's going to win. Are we going to go and do everything in our power to show that the machine is wrong? Or are we going to sit and listen to it? And this is something that humans are going to have to actually come to, you know, come to terms with. You, do you, Mark, you, um, Kovis, you got something on that or? No, 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 I just agree <coughs> with you. Uh, it's nice that you agree with you. me. <laughs> You're welcome back here anytime. But it's just, you know, th- this is the thing though, is that we can put all kinds of data in. I'm in media. So I put stuff into media. I'm looking for a return of investment. It tells me where to place my adverts. I place my adverts because the machine told me that's the place to yeah. place my adverts. Interesting. What happens if I start asking the machines questions? I don't, I, I really have an answer for. And it comes back with an answer I don't want. You know, at what point do we now say, well, the machine said it's right. It's got to be right. You know? I, actually, I actually think that <clears throat> it will sneak up on you more than you realize. Uh, like I was thinking about it. I was typing on my phone. And uh, why isn't this more intelligent, you know? Yeah. And as as your phone even starts getting, you know, like the, the algorithms, the AI starts working out more and more what you – what you want to say and what you want to do, you're going to be more and more accepting of it. And a couple of years down the line, you're not even going to realize how much AI is part of your life because it's going to feel everything that you're doing is just going to feel so natural and intuitive. And then at that point, you're already so the, – the, the AI is so advanced and, you know, what is possible then? Now, now if you take that statement, okay – and predictive text, which is fundamentally is the core of AI because it is predicting what you're going to write. And how many times it gets it wrong, okay? I mean, like today I was saying my co-host is not available on a message. It came back that said my computer is not available. You know, I got it totally wrong. Um, that is going to be the defense argument. People are going to say, oh, but hold on a second. I use predictive text and it comes out with this. I mean, I love Apple. I've always said that, okay? But – I will never, ever use Apple Maps. Uh, I, I think I'll be more lost using Apple Maps than I would be not using Apple Maps. So if Apple had to make a play into the AI space, would I trust it? Because my learnings and experience of, of Apple Maps is that they suck. So, you know, these are the kind of questions. So we will, we will keep finding things to not use it. 
Yeah, I've, I've got another concern. You know, um, I, uh, often in business, uh, you know, I, I check a lot of things with my dad. Okay. Um, I do the and, same thing. And, and no, and no, I, I, I do as well. I don't want to replace my dad yeah. with, uh, with AI, you know, for instance. That now you see now there that goes exactly to what I was saying with regards to the machine learning. Yeah. Um, and Mike, you actually touched on it. If the machine learns from us, because that is how predictive text works, then what traits are we teaching it? So, I'd like to think I'm a nice guy. So if if my machines learn from me, they're going to learn nice things. But like everyone else, I do have bad habits. Yes. You know? So will my machines learn from me? And if I'm the person that's put into the room as the, because I'm going to say human subject, because the machine needs to learn from me, um, is it going to learn my bad uh, experiences, you know, or my bad traits? So these are things that we have to be careful as humanity. We can't stop it. It's coming. Guys are spending gazillions of dollars teaching these machines to be like us. And there are good reasons for it. But like you say, I, I do the same thing with my dad. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what decision I'm going to make. If I think it's something that he's going to add value based on his years of experience, I'll pick up the phone and say, and as you said, business decisions. Yeah. I go to my father as well. Oak was a financial director for many years and it makes sense. But again, your dad's probably the same age as my dad looking at, you know, your age and my age. They don't know anything about technology. So it kind of comes back, you know, and then I start querying. I was like, well, the advice he's given me, and this is coming from a guy that can't actually download an APK and load it into an Android phone. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. very interesting. And it's, it's definitely a space that I am going to, going to follow. I got a few more little things before we actually get to why you guys are here. Um, the one, which I think is well deserved and long overdue is Mark Zuckerberg was named Fortune's Businessman of the Year. Now, I really do think that's deserved. And I say that because a lot of people hate him. A lot of people hate Facebook. Um, but you've still got to give him the credit that he is. He is the CEO of the biggest social network in the world. He is, he, he built it from a university room. Um, I'm not even going to say they're profitable because that's an insult. Okay. They are, they are sitting on incredible amounts of money. So he ticks all the boxes of a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, and I think old Bezos came in number two. That's uh, Amazon's guys yeah, in it. Yeah. That's right. And the reason I'm saying that is look where we're going as businesses. These are like non-tangible businesses. I, I actually, Amazon is tangible. They do have stores. But Facebook isn't. You can't touch Facebook. So well done, Mark. Um, I don't know if you got my good wishes. I did send it. You didn't reply, but uh, it's all good. <laughs> Staying in, in social and all these good things. Snapchat, did you see their, their vending machines that they dropped? Okay, so this was quite a cute little story. So Snapchat have gone into the wearable um, um, market. They've come up with a thing called lenses, about $130. And you wear these glasses that look really naff, but they've got cameras on. They will, they will record your Snapchat for you and post it. So you, your hands are free. And wherever you look, and you, I think it's voice activated actually, you say record. It records the 10 seconds and posts because you've already connected it in your phone and your account. But the way they did it was very cool. They just dropped these like vending machine bots. They dropped it at a random place. You walked up to it. You engaged with it. You signed in with your Snapchat and then it fitted you for your glasses type of thing. It like said, here's your glasses. Get the blue ones and boom, they came out the machine, took your credit card. So it was just a nice way of doing it. Um, but you can now also, as I said, you can film by looking. So you're getting a POV. 
you know, if you had to stand and put your phone against your nose, you'd, be, you'd look a bit weird. So it's just giving you a bit of a different angle. Will it stick around? Eh, probably not. I don't know. Um, I've talked about Facebook. I've talked about Snapchat. So I'd, I'd hate to leave Twitter out, but not that this is a good one. Twittertats.com. So you can now order your favorite tweet in a, um, what do you call those tattoos that you iron on? Not iron on. <laughs> iron on. Uh, despite, uh, temporary, temporary, tattoos. temporary tattoos. So you can get your favorite tweets and they'll be delivered to you and you can put them on your skin. So like if oh, you okay. like Kanye West or maybe even your own tweets. I don't know. Probably It probably has to be famous people. So like yeah. they have these packs so you can get Trump's tweets or Kanye's tweets or Obama's tweets and you can put a temporary tattoo. I just have one thing to say. Why? Wow. <laughs> I mean like really <laughs> – you know, I know, I know people get like text on tattoos, you know, then they have meanings and there's like maybe scripture or a poem or something. Cool. Get yeah. it. Wow. You know, anyway, but for only nine ninety nine, and I can guarantee you they're going to sell. Of course. Hundreds of thousands. Cause Americans are stupid. I mean, they proved that two weeks ago. Do um, you have the, can you just send me that link? Yeah. It's Twitter, yeah, twittertats.com. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah? Got a couple. Okay, there we Got go. A <laughs> he's gonna hook, he's gonna hook up a couple there. Um, and then, uh, the, I thought this was amazing. So I said, I'm, a, I'm an Apple fan. So you can now send money with Siri. Okay. Not South Africans for two reasons. It works on PayPal and it's not available in our market. Number two, they still, Siri still can't understand our accent. No, no. Um, no, that's true. There's actually a fantastic clip. Brett is, Brett too. The other Brett, he's Scottish. There's a fantastic clip of two Scots, Scotsmen in a lift. Trying to voice control, um, you know, take me to the eleventh floor, whatever it is, with their accent, okay? And Siri talks back. Um, I have to actually knock Apple again on that one because Google has got our accent taped. I mean, it, and whether it's an, I mean, for those guys that are listening overseas that don't know our accents, I have an English South African accent, and Kurbis has an Afrikaans. South African accent. So we can hear we sound very different. Mike's got an English South African accent. But Google, Mike, am I right? Picks up yours. Uh, sorry, Kerbis picks up yours and mine. I mean, I can yeah. speak in my natural way. I don't have to go, and Google, can you? Like in a really terrible American accent, like I have to do with Siri. I mean, could just, like, I'm walking down the street. What time is it? And I was like, who is this idiot? You know? Yeah, no. uh, but you can actually send money using PayPal and Siri. So you can push your phone and go, Siri, please pay Kerbis $20. As long as I've linked your PayPal account before, uh, your, you know, your receipt email before to my PayPal account, and I've linked the two, bang, it's done. That's pretty cool. I find that interesting that they, that like, paying money is always, there's always a trust issue. Yeah. You know, like, am I getting the amount right? Am I timesing it by 10? You know, there's always such a trust issue. And then now you, you're, you're speaking into a phone where there's a margin of error. You know, uh, I think you're 100% right. However, remember that this is probably going to happen local. So if you're in the States and you owe money to someone in the States, you'll take the exchange rate off the table. It's dollars. Um, and, and PayPal, PayPal's exchange rates are, are pretty accurate. You know, they draw from your linked bank account. So, I mean, I use PayPal global payments all the time. I have business interests offshore and, um, you know, I can, Use PayPal to pay who I, whoever I need to. I must say that the exchange rate that they give me linked to my card is, is pretty good. 
But I think you've also hit the, head on the, uh, the nail on the head. It's a very South African thing, that whole trust. We're a very touchy-feely society. We want to bring you the money in person, you know. Um, we, we actually want to engage with you and make sure it's right. We don't just log on and hit the pay button. Yeah, but uh, it's also, yeah, you, you, you check the confirm. Is that is that right, you know? No, I agree. And, I, and maybe maybe it appears I have I can't do it. I can't test it on our market. Um but uh, it's it's an interesting play, and I think it's a play that takes us to the next thing. You know, Siri, make a Skype call for me. Phone Mark, um, book an Uber. These are all things that have some form of financial backing to, like Uber. By me calling Uber via Siri, I'm That's also giving yeah. the credit card permission that Uber can bill. Yeah, so they're basically bringing payments into voice. I think that's so. Whatever you'd use your voice for to do. You can now do to pay. Uh, and okay. I think that's kind of where they're going. So you've Very heard cool. the voices, guys. Um, if you just joined us, um, Brett Two's in Cape Town. My guest co-host was, was going to join us, woke up with laryngitis. And I kind of threw the guys into the hot seat. But I had them here for a reason anyway. So I've got Kurbis and Mike from – we quote as the holding company. That's but, correct. But uh, you guys are here because of Snapcart. Yes, Snapcart is the product. Yeah. Right. So – if you've heard the show, you know I hand the mic over. So tell us about Snapcart. What is it that you guys do? Okay. So, it, we, Brett, we basically started uh, last year um, developing uh, our mobile solutions. Uh, we started off with an Android app, uh, and we released it in November. Uh, the iOS app was released in February. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah, yeah. sure. Just the reason behind the, the, the way you went. What was your reasoning for it? I always ask a question of app developers. So, Brett, my background is uh, I come from the logistics industry, and I saw a lot of opportunities and, um, you know, where we need to improve okay. on. And uh, basically uh, the whole uh, idea of Snapcart uh, was born. Oh, no, no, sorry. I'm, I'm talking about why you went Android before you went iOS. That, that, that was the question. Yes, okay. M- mostly because uh, uh, of, of scalability. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, there's more Android users in the, in the logistics space than on iOS. Um, I always ask the question because, yes, I mean, it's, in South Africa, 9 out of 10 smartphones are Android. That's right. But yeah, it, it, if you look at different markets, guys will build for iOS first before they build for Android. And I, I just, I always like to go into people's minds. So yours was purely commercial. There wasn't. That's, that's okay. Cool. Yeah. So back to Snapcard and, and the idea behind Snapcard. Okay. So, so there's basically, uh, three segments to our business. Uh, the one is where customers, uh, and that's demand in the streets, small to medium enterprises and even big companies where they can post shipments. And, uh, if I say shipments, that is, Anything that you want to get transported, uh, that is um, uh, from a letter to abnormal loads and everything in between. So if you want to move house, if you want to uh, get rid of uh, building rubble on your um, uh, uh, at at your home, uh, if you if you want to send a parcel, anything, you go onto Snapcard dot uh, Ninja. Uh, okay, I got to stop you again. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so. The URL, uh, the the TLD is dot ninja. I'm mean, like, <laughs> you got to tell me the story behind that first before you can. Why? Well, basically, uh, most of the dot com domains are not available. Right. Um, okay. So, now that goes without saying, but I mean, there's a gazillion to choose yeah. from. Yeah. So, so we opted for, uh, w- uh, you know, what is uh, 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 s- similar to 
getting things done quickly, you know. Uh, so we opted for Ninja because a Ninja moves fast. Ninja. Yeah. Uh, that's why I'm laughing because so, I've got this little, like, you know, the emoticon, little Ninja emoticon on Skype, like he appears and he, and then he, whoop, he disappears. So it's like, okay. So, so, so guys, Snapcart.ninja ninja is yeah. actually the URL. It's not like we've now started talking about a different company. Okay. So carry on. <laughs> okay. So, so basically then you can post your shipments and then, uh, notifications will go out to our network of couriers and transporters, um, uh, which, uh, we've got an excess of 200 uh, couriers and transporters on board and they will then bid on those shipments. Um, and then notifications will go back to the customer with, uh, um, telling them that there's a bit on the shipment and then they can uh, accept the bit and pay for the bit and the whole uh, delivering process will will take place. Um, so. Okay, so let's stop there. I'm going to be the negative Nelly, all right, because this is the audience that's out there. I mean, yes, we're here no, to talk about innovation and you wouldn't be if I didn't think it was innovative. Um, I can pick up the phone and phone a courier, right? I mean, anyone you can. can yeah. There's probably apps that are linked to courier companies as well. I mean, I don't know them or fan, uh, FedEx comes to mind. So yeah. I'm sure FedEx has an app and DHL has an app because they would. Um, and I'd have to jump through the hoops of setting up the app and all those type of things. Um, what is the unique thing behind Snapcart? What makes Snapcart the reason why I wouldn't go that route? Okay. First of all, uh, all our couriers and transporters are rated by previous experiences from previous users. Um, so you will get four or five bits at a time uh, so you, you you you're not uh, restricted to only one price um so you'll get multiple bits as well as uh, the ratings of of uh, of those couriers and transporters okay so and ease of use as well besides the easy use i mean i've had a look at the the app and that so mark yeah well done because mark mark's uh mark's the developer of snapcart so he's here as well in the hot seas um if I go back to the original question, and this is kind of where we are, I think Snapcart was interesting or intriguing for me. And I don't want to say you're the hippo of, of, uh, um, Curium because hippo is a different brand altogether, but that's kind of how I see it in that I, I tried to do a delivery the other day. So I picked up the first one. I think it was actually FedEx because I knew they have a box, like an envelope box. Yep. So I wasn't going to go through the problems of sizing. And there's a reason I'm telling this story because I want to see how you guys take us through that journey i knew that what i wanted a courier would fit into that box because I, I actually had one on my desk okay so i pick up the phone i didn't use an app okay so i pick up the phone very analog and i phone them and they start i said listen it will fit in your box what happens how do i get my hands on a box i will bring it to you fantastic then they start with the rest of the stuff. I was like, no, no, no. Just send me the box. I know what I want to do. But you know, you can only send certain things and ways. I was like, I was actually getting frustrated. Okay. So I don't want to talk to a human anymore. So I put that down. So now I went to dhl.co.za or .com or whatever it was. And I went through the same hoops. I had to put in the dimensions. I had, I had to exactly. fill out so much information before I could actually get to a price. Do you guys do it differently? Yes. I know. I mean, all the information is already provided by the user. Okay. Uh, in the app, you know, it will ask you questions pertaining to that shipment, um, the, the, the way it's packaged and everything. Um, and, you know, it just makes it so easy. Okay. So let's say, let's make, let's make a real life example. Yeah. Okay. I want to send a cell phone. So everyone in their minds can see a cell phone. They can see the size of it. Um, 
If I, this is a double-barreled question, and you, you'll know me by now. I jump all over. One, if I don't know the dimensions, is there a chance to estimate or like put a guess? Definitely, okay. definitely. So that's it. No, but the reason I'm bringing that up is that I've played, so I've seen. But I want you to say it because the bottom line is that's a problem on any of the other sites. You have to put dimensions in. Now I don't walk around with a ruler. I know that my phone is approximately ten centimeters long and it's approximately three wide. How much does it weigh? Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So the fact that you can get an estimate that obviously covers. Number one, you've already won half the battle. Now I've got to get the, the estimate. So I, I've gone through the Let's say even I have got the information. I put yeah. it all in. It's done. And your apps were built native, Mark. So we you're using didn't go native. So they built yeah. hybrid. Yeah. So your, your UI is the same then for both. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's not a bad thing in this because obviously you can, you can access it from different devices. It was actually a design choice originally okay. because – we made the decision that we want to get the app out early and learn as much as we can. Okay. And then if need be, we could change to a, to a native, um, because, because the pace of app development when there's a lot of competitors, you have to be moved quickly. We took that choice. Hence the dot ninja. <laughs> yeah, so that's true. when I push submit or get quote, what's the timing between that and getting it back? Well, it depends on the on the cargo type. Uh, okay. If it, if it's a parcel, it's it's normally uh, within five minutes. But if it's a, if it's a big uh, transport load, you know, a load of bricks, uh, obviously there's a lot of things uh, that uh, transport companies need to to take in consideration. Do they have a return load uh, for, for for that specific load before they can bid? You know, so there is uh, there is a bit of a time delay. But again, you know, we. We, we, we're not restricted to parcels only. And yeah. that's, that's the, the beauty well, of our. That's business. how you come into them. I mean, you're just talking about bricks and loads. And I mean, I've, I've seen your website as well. You've got Pentechnicon shown there. So I mean, if I wanted to send like a big turbine to Durban, yeah. I could use that's, Snapcart. That's I mean, great. It's, that it's, so it's not, guys need to get their minds past the fact that I'm trying to send a letter or phone or computer. I mean, you yeah. can, and your loads that you're doing at the moment, um, you know, if you're allowed to, talk about it are you getting these big boys i mean are you getting well i would say it's basically split at this stage uh 80 percent parcel loads and 20 percent um bigger loads uh if i say big, bigger give loads us an example yeah. what have you transported more, more than 100 kilograms you know and, and what have you give me some of the weird and wonderfuls you've transported or maybe the biggest that you've transported if you're allowed to you don't yeah, have to say the we, brand we, or... we've uh, we've transported a load of bricks before so yeah okay so i mean if anyone's actually driven bed, behind yeah. a a, a Truck like a coro brick type truck, uh, that's big. I mean, it's not yeah. like you know you're going to put in your in the boot of your car and just drive with the door open. Yeah. Um, right. So the the commercial side of it, these guys are effectively bidding for my business. So you're you're an intermediary yeah. if you think about it. Um, does your system plug straight into the API, or do you have to wait? Is there human intervention from their side? We've provided an API, um, but uh, a lot of the a lot of our Transporters at the moment still do it manually, so we've got an API if you're interested. But um, uh, we're we're only in talks with people at the moment to start using that. Okay, you know it's not something. I, I, well, it's not saying it's a bad thing that humans are still doing. But I think that's just still our market. I mean, we still get it. That is how it is. Yeah. The one question that came to mind, I I can't remember if I actually looked up or tried it. Can you do non tangible? collection points so what i mean by that is i'm standing i'm here i'm in i'm in the studio this is not my office um i drive out and i go oh shit i forgot to get a career but i'm sitting with a parcel on my desk can i use the app 
and get a collection arranged where I am, or is the timing not quite there yet? It's, I'm talking about a small parcel, which is quick. Well, you can actually we you you can start a conversation with the transporter, so you can actually contact them through like a normal chat interface, where you would you would actually have a um, discussion with them, saying actually I've moved, and we only set up the collection point at the point where you're saying that you're actually going to confirm who you're, which um, transport you're going to use. So you can at that point um, send through the actual tr- connection point. Okay, so uh, I think the last question is, who do I pay? Because uh, you, you mentioned it yourself, Mike. You said there's a trust issue with payment and that. Um, am I paying you through your app? You're then paying the courier company or the delivery company, not just a courier company. Um, and what protection do I have that I know my load is going to get to where it needs to get to? Yeah, um, Brett, yeah. So um, uh, the, the customer will pay us, okay. and we will pay the service provider, the courier transport company, once they've uploaded the POD uh, into our system. So this this trust works in, in two ways, you know. Uh, the one is uh, the customer uh, will know that the, the service provider will only get paid if the, his goods are delivered. And from a service provider's point of view, is the service provider will know that the customer has already paid us for 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 the the shipment, so they can they can proceed to to do the, the delivery. Okay, so because I mean that I think that's the thing with a lot of South Africans is trust. Yeah, you know, and and more so than anyone in the world, um, we really are skeptical people. You know, if I deal with um, FedEx, I either have an account or um, or they send me a. Um, a quote, and I have to put the money in the account up front. But I'm thinking to myself, oh, it's okay, it's FedEx. You know, we've got to still get to experience Snapcart before we like really get to to understand it. And then, is the payment on the app itself, or do we go to payment gateway and use EFTs, or how does it work? Um, we go through a payment gateway, okay. and uh, yeah, EFT is available or credit card. Um, and there are a couple of other options, but the main one we use are. EFT and credit card. Okay. Well, look, the credit card, I think, also gives you a degree of trust as well. Okay. Um, we've, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, sorry. So, yeah, so there's, there's, uh, there's another two segments to our business. Okay. And the other one is, uh, basically, um, you know, where we've got services offerings as well, uh, where transport and courier companies, uh, can, where they do all their shipments, um, they can post it through our portal, um, but, and they can make use of our electronic signature solution, uh, we've, which we've embedded on, into our uh, software. Okay. Uh, you know, and they can make use of that. Uh, f- uh, it's basically an EPOD solution. Um, that's that's one of the other service offerings. And then the third one is is where we've got some integrated uh, services where we want to pilot some projects with uh, some listed uh, brands, uh, where they. They they they're gonna post some of these shipments uh, through um, a, a cloned version of Snapcord, um, which basically then um, distributes those shipments to to their own network of uh, of transporters. That their transporters will then bid on those shipments, and uh, then they will also duplicate it to the Snapcord network to get a market price, uh, and then they will compare the two 
against one another, and they and they will see if they they still uh, getting competitive uh, prices for for the delivery of the owned goods. So it's actually logistics back in. Yes. So I'm getting the sign that we're at the top of the hour. So I say it every week. I can't believe we're there again already. Guys, thank you, and thanks for being my like uh, honorary guest uh, co-hosts as well. Just quickly, just wrap it up, snapcart.ninja. That's the website. They can find you there. And, um, yeah, just uh, thanks again. Um, I don't have the thought of the day. I'm not even going to try and do it because that's Brett's thing. I think we've had a lot of thought-provoking conversation today. So I'll just go straight out to uh, until next time. Keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny. Cliffcentral.com.